welcome to this episode of the Roots and Wings podcast. My name is Brian Rogers, a licensed professional counselor with Hoover City Schools, and I am joined, as always, with my co-host, Candace Van Wanderham, our district mental health specialist. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This podcast is meant to be a resource for parents tasked with raising resilient and courageous children in a world with great uncertainty at times. It is simply a monthly conversation focusing on relevant issues facing parents and guardians today. Our time together is comprised of mental health professionals and experts from throughout our community. Thank you for joining us for our conversation. We encourage you to tell your friends about it. And as always, please leave us feedback by emailing us at the address in the episode notes below. Now let's get going. Hello, listeners. Today we will be talking about staying mentally healthy during the holiday season. We are so pleased today to have Lee Cohen Long. She is a licensed clinical social worker and prior to retiring this past June, has spent over 20 years in public education. She brings a vast knowledge regarding mental health and working with students and families. So welcome and thank you for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Lee, I want to say you were the first social worker hired in an education setting in the state? I don't know that I was the first. I I always attribute that to Audrey Ellis in the Tuscaloosa schools. And I believe Audrey was in her position before me, but I came right behind her. So so we certainly (laughs) collaborated early on because we were... I believe some of the first ones and and Florence City Schools I believe had social workers. We've come a long way. We have come a long way. Congrats to the state of Alabama. Exactly and thank you for paving that way. Um, So today we're going to talk about some proactive ways to stay mentally healthy during the upcoming holiday season but here's where I think a lot of people get confused. I think they hear the words mental health and they think mental illness. So what do we actually mean when we say mental health? Such a good question, and I'm really glad (laughs) that we're starting with that topic because this is sort of a pet peeve that um, people don't always understand the difference in mental health and mental illness, and there is a difference. Um, So I was talking about this just the other day, that the pandemic has um, one of the pros that has come out of the pandemic is that it's sort of spotlighted mental health, Mm -hmm. and now people are talking about mental health when for so long mental health has been quiet and people don't talk about it. There's more shame, there's more stigma. So I'm so grateful for the pandemic in that respect that people are talking about it now. But everybody does need to understand it because they do. They hear mental health and they think mental illness. Well, I think using the term, even like mental wellness. Like wellness, you hear about wellness so much more and it's tied into Fitbit with physical health and mental health and it's kind of all coming together. And I think even that shifts because there's still a little bit of stigma, but when you talk about wellness, it's it's like taking care of the positive side of things. Absolutely. So that's, and that's what it is. We all have mental health. Everybody has mental health, just like we all have physical health, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we wax and wane with our physical health. We can have good days and bad days. So mental health is how a person is feeling, how a person is acting um, when they're just faced with life life stressors, life um, issues, how we're coping every day, how we're functioning every day. And that that can wax and wane depending on what is going on. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have an illness. We can have good days and bad days. Well, I think it's like the, the perfect time for us to be talking about this too because the, probably the most proactive time for mental health, physical health, 
spiritual health is coming up in a couple of weeks with New Year's, New Year's resolution. So everyone kind of focuses on doing some of those proactive things. Absolutely. So, so how do you differentiate between the two? So the, I was just going to say, you just you look at how you're functioning and how you're maintaining. Those are sort of keywords. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at how how are you coping with daily life? How are your daily activities? Are they productive or not? Um, are you flourishing? How are your relationships? Are you just feeling balanced in your overall well-being? So those are sort of the big, broad um, things to look at when you're just talking about functioning and, and maintaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. like that word balance. I mean, that, that yeah. that's great because it kind of captures it. I yeah. always look at the three R's, your rest, your relaxation, and your relationships. Yes. You know, if you look at those four er- three areas of your life. Yes. Um, it's like a state of well-being. It it's it's mm-hmm. just, it's what it, how is my well-being? Mm-hmm. And am I functioning? Am I maintaining? Am I am I getting the rest? And those kind of questions. So you sort of have to sort of self-assess those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when what is going on with me, and when might I need some help? When might I need to go? Oh, I'm not as stable, or I'm not as mm-hmm. balanced. And so you might do some self-care activities. You may pay attention to your signs or your symptoms that are telling you you're mm-hmm. off kilter and I would say you know sort of a barometer is if if things get worse and you're not sleeping as mm-hmm. much as Brian's saying or you're you're not you're not going to work or you're losing interest or your appetite might change if things get worse and that persists for a couple of weeks or more mm-hmm. then you may need to seek out or or the things you've tried to get better aren't working you may then need to seek out a practitioner, yes, a practitioner. Well, then, it, then as, as parents, we're looking at our kids and our adolescents and, and kind of seeing changes in them. And a lot of times yes. it's that thing, too. You see that sleep get off. And yes. it's kind of a slow creep sometimes. Mm-hmm. But for them, especially, the mental health and the sleep is so tied together. I think during this time, always being mindful of this, but doing things that are proactive in help getting them disconnected a little bit, detached, outside, physically mm-hmm. doing some things. Yes. See, here's the thing. As adults, we can self-assess to a certain extent. Our adolescents and children don't. They don't know how. Well, how when, do, when do you get concerned? We know that things look different with an elementary child. Right. And, and I think, um, you know, Candace, you bring up a good point because a lot of times what we say to parents is, have you asked them? Yeah. Have you asked your child? How are they Creating feeling those conversation points. Are you sleeping? As Brian keeps mm-hmm. saying, sleep. We could do a whole podcast oh, yeah. on sleep mm-hmm. and the importance of sleep in children and adolescents and true. adults, but mm-hmm. particularly our youth. But asking your kids how they're doing physically, how are they doing mentally, how are they doing emotionally, how are they doing spiritually? I mean, whatever um, parents want to check out, mm-hmm. we sometimes forget to talk directly and knowing, to and the knowing child. the ones they're associated with, who's their little friend circle? Yeah. You know, what are they like? What's going on with them? Are they doing positive things? Yes, that so, uplift them. Mm-hmm. Yes, we we. There's an old saying that you know we do as our peers do. Mm-hmm. You know, we as adults do as our peers do. You're right. So. Children are the same way, and teens are the same way. So sort of knowing and looking at the peer group um, is also... Going to that conversation point that you were saying, it's, sometimes parents feel awkward about it or that it's a difficult conversation to have and, and talking about it mm-hmm. because especially adolescents are so protective of their independence and their identity and the, you know, I'm fine for the answer to every question. Um, but, you know, there's no right or wrong words to say. You know, it's that coming with that... Cons- that 
um, attitude of compassion and care yes. is, is the most important thing because I see it, I do a lot of crisis counseling and kind of coming from that mindset, um, one is just acknowledging, you know, we've been through a lot over the past two years, you know, and developmentally think about that. For us, it's a smaller part of our life, but for them, it's a big chunk of their life. If you think the past two years, uh, for a 12-year-old, I mean, they were yeah. in a much different place two years ago, Absolutely. or uh, mm-hmm. even a senior, you know, they were back learning how to drive when mm-hmm. this all got going. Uh, there's, uh, we talk a lot, Candace um, has worked with me for a long time and knows that I, I say to parents, you know your child better than anyone. Um, I tell parents a lot to trust their gut. If, yeah. if you think something sure. is going on, then there probably is. And like you're saying, just That's why we have questions. intuition. That's right. That's why we have it. But to trust that and to go with that. Um, you know, I think sometimes parents worry about themselves, like what are they doing wrong or yeah. what is, what you know, what are they not seeing or the parents do the best they can. With There's what no they instruction have. book. That's right. That's There's not. They do the best they can. There doesn't mean they're a bad mom or a, a bad dad or it, you're just doing the best you can. Right. So we, we mm-hmm. all have good days and bad days. So again talk with your child just say I love you I care I'm noticing this Um, I'm wondering about blank and like you're saying the last two years have been difficult for everybody well there's no right or wrong words it's really the attitude that you bring to it Um, I heard a quote by Maya Angelou that said you know people aren't gonna remember what you specifically say or do but they're gonna remember how they feel in those moments right Mm -hmm. and that's what that's the the crux of it that's what helps them feel supported during difficult times right. and it just acknowledges it um, and then yes. using it as a teaching moment to say hey, it's hard for adults and I think that's important too because I think a lot of adolescents feel like if they share with their parents that their parents will be upset with them or angry with them yeah. and so approaching you know with that openness with that fair-mindedness I think is important yeah I, I often encourage parents as well as all of us that have worked in schools is just listen a lot of times children just want us to listen. They just want to share and they just want us to listen. And like you're saying, Candace, not sit in judgment and not um, talk at them, mm-hmm. but talk with them. Yeah. That's important. Just There is a big difference in talking at your kids versus with your kids. And um, That's one of the unique things I see in this setting because we we're in a smaller setting here where I'm at. And uh, a lot of times they don't have those adult discussions and right. conversations. You know, right. it's we're so busy. And when you sit down and talk with them, they're almost on guard a little bit, but it drops really quickly. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, because that's what they want. And if there was ever a time that kids need connection, Mm. it's It's right now. now. I don't care if that is connection to their parent, connection to a relative, connection to grandparents, connection to school staff. We need to Because guess what? If you don't have it, they're going to find it elsewhere. They are. And it's right now so um, important. I think even during the pandemic, mm-hmm. a lot of kids needed that kind of connection and because we had to stay home and because a lot of kids and families were at home together, mm-hmm. in some ways it helped some kids. Yeah, You know, people didn't really think about that. We've only thought about how being home and not being at school sure. and in their daily routine has been more detrimental. But for some, not all, but for some, it probably helped them connect. And feel well, it helped connection and helped build independence. Yeah. It helped build resilience because they saw as much as this is difficult and we're all going through it, yeah. we're making it through. Because yeah. here's the other thing. It, there's the before period, the during period. Now we're in this recovery period yeah. where we're kind of moving forward. Yeah. Um, and 
and there were life lessons. There was this. There can be a mentality of resilience. I think we just got to watch the words we use to talk about it, right. because too many people talk about just that negative side. Yeah. But there was a positive side mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. You know, I see when you see eighty-year-old people plus on Zoom calls and that. You know, <laughs> there were positive things that came out of this. There were there were things you would have never imagined five years ago. So. That's right. That's true. And Candace, getting back to your original question, just the difference in mental health and mental illness, mm-hmm. and I think. I think everyone's mental health has been impacted. I don't think, I think all of ours has through this. But when it slips towards illness, I think it's Mm -hmm. important to come back to that, to just say that's when something becomes, you know, diagnosable, when when it becomes an illness, you Mm -hmm. know. And we often talk about how it, it may be that something's going on in the brain that's just not working correctly or something that's, um, just not working well. So yes, um, as parents are connecting, reconnecting with their kids, watching their kids, watching behaviors, but if their guts are concerned, or if, like I said, if patterns continue for two weeks or more, or get extreme, yeah. you know, I think about things on a continuum. There might be mild symptoms, moderate symptoms, or extreme mm-hmm. symptoms, but if things slip into that moderate to extreme, then they should seek some help mm-hmm. or, um, you know, get to a, a, a doctor or mm-hmm. to a mental health professional so that they can be assessed. Um, mm-hmm. Because not everybody, like there's been a lot of positives coming out of the pandemic, but we also know that yeah. depression and anxiety has mm-hmm. increased. Um, substance abuse. Substance abuse has increased. And I'm just going to tell you guys, um, I, I truly believe we are in a national crisis with child and adolescent mental health care. Because... We have seen hospitalizations increase. We have seen crisis calls increase. We have seen suicide increase. We have just seen a lot, mm-hmm. and we that's and lack of providers. Our providers yeah. are serving so many people now. Yes, providers are. So we've got to pay attention to that, and we've got to pay attention to our kids so that they don't slip into sure. mental illness or worse, mental illness because. Um, there is so much anxiety and depression and stress right now. So um, I would be remiss if I didn't say that. I think I'll try not to get on my soapbox about mental health services, but I'm a big advocate for it. Mm -hmm. Mental health services for children and adolescents, I think they have, um, we have need. They they deserve to be able to be seen and Mm -hmm. um, get services and have access to services and, when I, I see it, it's planting those seeds of hope, yeah. too, because, you know, I, I try and share a lot of times that those small changes can make huge differences. They absolutely you know? can, yeah. Um, I yeah. heard the analogy of uh, being on a plane ride from Birmingham to Los Angeles, and if you're one degree off, you end up in Mexico. <laughs> you know, one degree mm-hmm. makes a significant change, it does. positive or negative. So, yeah. And that's, that's uh, also, too, why we, it, it can, which is why we say to parents, you know, pay attention and don't be afraid to talk to your child and trust your gut because it yeah. just no intervention is a failed intervention, sure. right? And the earlier you identify anything and intervene, the better for everyone, for your child, for yourself, mm-hmm. for their success at school or in life. So, yes, even a there's small, no real downside to it. It's, no. it's, you know, if nothing is wrong and it's some normal developmental uh, period they're going through at least that communication's there and they feel acknowledged and heard. Absolutely. I think part of it goes back to what you said though, Lee, afraid. So many of our parents mm. are afraid to seek out help. And I think just as a school system, we want to make sure that we provide that support to those parents and just 
encourage them, trust their gut, let us help you. Um, we have school counselors, we have social workers, and, and I, we just encourage, many times we encourage, please, if you have questions, to reach out to us because we don't want you to be afraid. We we want to help you navigate yeah. um, those services and that process. And, you know, I just call that partnership. You know, don't, mm-hmm. don't feel so isolated um, that it's just you and your family, but reach out to your resources. Reach out to your school counselors. You know, Hoover is... Um, amazing with its resources people y'all have mental health professionals and you have counselors and you have all kinds of internal resources in this district and um, we want parents to connect with you to to partner with you all for and I do that all the time I think I say thank you for partnering with us on this journey for the best interest of their child because we all want kids to be successful you know we talk about the when they hit the door of the school, they want to be successful, and they want to be successful academically, socially, emotionally, mm-hmm. uh, mentally. So, yeah, it's um, it's important to, to partner. You know, your pediatrician might be part of the partnership. Mm-hmm. Your school might be part of the partnership. Your parents, other other people that are involved with the child, but um, certainly working as a team is in the best interest. And I think that's so the best important. thing to acknowledge is that we have a lot of great resources. Yeah. They are there, and... Yeah. We're here for you. Which is, it's not every school district can say no. that. And um, so I think that, yeah, to encouraging parents to take advantage of that is, is terrific. We are so very fortunate you are. in that arena. Yes. yes. Um, it goes back to the kids having access to, to services, you know, mm-hmm. access in their schools. You know, I, I don't, I don't. We, <laughs> I'm going back to my soapbox about the mental health <laughs> services because we need, you know, more practitioners for child, children and adolescents. We need um, hospital beds. We need partial programs mm-hmm. and intensive outpatient programs. We need services in schools. Mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't it be novel to have services in pediatric offices? Mm-hmm. So parents take their child to annual physicals, right? You get your annual physical checkup mm-hmm. well wouldn't it be amazing to have your annual mental health checkup also at the same time and um i feel like we're looking at lee's second career maybe <laughs> yes i mean i've been uh <laughs> sort of pushing this for a long time like how come um social workers and psychologists and other practitioners can't be in pediatric offices mm-hmm. and immediately when kids go for their physical health checkup they um, can also have their mental health checkup, talking about any academic or social challenges Mm -hmm. at school or family um, issues or um, any any type of concerns so I will say I I am glad to see that the American Pediatric Association has really made that a part of the physicals they really encourage that to be and have really trained um, the physicians on that because that's something that wouldn't have been seen 20 years ago correct Um, pediatricians and other doctors are are asking more questions they're getting more training just like you're saying so I think it's wonderful but they um, you know they need support too they need partnerships too and resources (laughs) too so yeah I just um, I think again going back to what we started this conversation with that the pandemic has brought it Mm -hmm. to the surface and now we have an opportunity you know the pandemic has been a crisis but crises provide opportunity and wouldn't this be an amazing opportunity to to get mental health care merged with physical Healthcare, and um, you know, I, I props to Children's of Alabama mm-hmm. right here in Birmingham. They're already 
doing things like this um, and, and working with pediatricians for this very cause, and it's wonderful, and I hope it just continues to go um, forward because our kids deserve it. Well, and the power of those partnerships helps us fight stigma, too, because I think that's what we all um, rally behind is fighting the stigma because, again, we want our kids to be successful. We want our families to be healthy. Um, so those partnerships become very important. It really reduces yeah. um, the fear yeah. around mental illness and mental health. You know, we've been talking about um, parents and parents um, paying attention to their kids and talking directly mm -hmm. with their kids and watching for signs and symptoms. But I was in a conversation just this week with a parent who um, struggles with, with getting sort of um, riled up um, when things are going on with her teenagers. And so we talked a lot about how kids can take on their parents' emotions. Mm, and yes. so we were talking about the importance of um, for her to talk with me or for her to talk with uh, a therapist, which I was trying to get her connected to because she has a lot of energy and a lot of emotion to share. And we have to be, as parents, we have to be very aware of what might be projected onto kids. Yeah, they're always if, watching. Ears are always hearing. <laughs> and they're so perceptive and they can just um, absorb any anxieties or fears or um, th whatever parents are expressing. Mm -hmm. So I always encourage parents to pay attention to their own emotions and then how they're expressing those. And maybe to express those to their spouse or partner or um, therapist or friend versus in front of their kids because we don't want you know the kids to take take that on um so and they are they are so perceptive so it was just a thought yeah families being mindful of how they yeah. interact and what they share and how they share and yes and where they share and where they <laughs> yes. share yeah so just just paying attention to that because we are i was just in that conversation this week about that Going back to that same thought is having rituals and traditions and things that are kind of structure for them. Yes. You know, families that sit down and have dinner together. I know we're super busy and people are going all mm -hmm. different direction, but those times matter. You know, they're the times for that interaction, that debrief, that that time to assess. Um, well, they matter greatly. You know, just in thinking about the holidays yeah. um, coming up, and a lot of times during holidays, you know. School provides structure, right? School provides right. structure for eight to three, basically. But um, but in the holidays, sometimes, you know, parents are like, oh, okay, no structure. But no structure doesn't always work well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Kids like structure and need structure. They won't necessarily tell you that, but children and adolescents yep. need structure. So you mentioned it early on when we were talking um Paying attention to sleep, yeah. paying attention to what are they doing all Screen day long. Time. Screen time, yeah. sleep, you know, really not forgetting during the holidays to monitor those things. Mm -hmm. You know, are your kids sleeping in the holidays? What are they eating? <laughs> are they like taking in so much sugar? Or, you know, what is their daily structure? And not to forget to put some curfews in place and some structure sure. in place because they need it even through the holidays. And especially if they're going into the holidays where they struggle with some mental health problems sure. or challenges. So if they struggle with stress and anxiety or anxiety and depression, the holidays are already stressful enough. Mm -hmm. They were stressful pre-pandemic. Right. Now 
with pandemics, there's there's more stress. So just really not 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 taking the clamps off totally during right. the holidays. Well, that's where that school's that safety net kind of thing. It had lots of caring eyes on the, the kids, and they can see small changes. Um, but again, when you get into that free period, it's almost like, oh, school's yeah. out. See you three weeks later, and we yeah. reset everything. And, and screen time. You mentioned screen time. Mm. And screen time impacts especially it impacts attention issues it impacts sleep it, it impacts anxiety um, identity identity self-esteem yeah and again y'all have already probably done podcasts on social media we could do it every time it's a part of this mental health discussion every time <laughs> Absolutely. sleep and social media are the two that interweave yes. with every topic we've covered yes one of the um sleep is just I yes. keep coming back to sleep, but mm-hmm. it's one of the first questions I've always asked when you when you talk to parents or you talk to kids, like asking about sleep and asking about their sleep. And when we see behavior and um, disruptive behavior increase, that's one of the first mm-hmm. questions that needs to be asked. Sure. How they slept. And not just how much they have slept, but how they have slept, how yeah. well they have slept. Absolutely, how well they have slept, like... Are they falling asleep and then wake up and can't go back to sleep? Or they can't fall asleep and they're just up and, you know, and is their sleep disrupted? It's just a lot of questions about sleep. So It goes back to screen time, well, too, because they wake up at 1 because yeah. their phone has gone ding, off. Ding, yeah, ding, right. Yeah. Correct. So, Correct. That's definitely well, I had a middle schooler the other day. It was, I said, what time do you go to 4 in the morning? Yeah. And I said, well, well, the phone, you know, I was watching yeah. YouTube, oh, and you get yeah. sucked in, and yeah. you can. fear of missing out. Yes, yes. And I think, you know, this is such an important discussion, really, even as a whole. Um, I know we, we were going to talk about some practical ways of dealing with our mental health over the holiday season, because it can be stressful, and it can be fun, and a lot of us are still dealing with grief and <laughs> loss. And we've talked about routine. We've talked about, um, you know, routine of sleep. But, you know, what are some other ways that parents can um, help themselves and their child to maintain? Throughout the holidays. That, that yeah. really good mental well-being. Well, one of the um, things I think about, you know, I mentioned just a minute ago, if you're going into the holiday season, the holidays are stressful anyway, right? We Dealing with family and dealing with all the schedules of the holidays mm-hmm. and the stress of the holidays. Um, but if you're going into the holiday season, again, we're, you're bringing some mental health challenges with you, you have to sort of pay extra attention um, because certain things can be triggers. So that's one of the first questions I always ask is if you're bringing that in and you know that, then help identify the triggers before you even get to them. What's a good example of that, Lee? Something that may be a trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, Certain individuals, um, because we've been in a pandemic, let's say that, you know, you've your family is planning something and they're not planning for safety. Let's say you you are very serious about COVID and about safety and they're asking you to come into a situation that you don't feel is very healthy or safe, then that can make your stress level, your stress level increase and you have to go, that's triggering me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm gonna say then what can you do to help yourself, you know. So again, um, identifying your triggers—that—that's an example that just popped in my head. Well, I think another might be thinking that grief and loss that you raised. You know, if someone's not at that holiday celebration, you know, maybe doing something to honor them. Yeah. Maybe just bringing their name in conversation mm-hmm. casually, because it's—you know—it's the elephant in the room sometimes. But when you talk about it, it's okay. Sure. It, it, 
it acknowledges that they're not going to be forgotten, mm-hmm. and they're still there with you as part of that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I also think if you're going into a holiday season, like you're saying, with grief, you you have to be kind to yourself. You have mm-hmm. to be gentle, um, and and just if something is not serving your need or your loss then take care of yourself it's okay Mm -hmm. it's okay Um, to say no it's okay to do what you want to do and do do what you don't and if it doesn't work try it different next year that's exactly right Mm -hmm. just sort of be where you are Mm -hmm. and 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 be kind to yourself and be gentle to yourself and um i i just think that that is um so important especially to somebody that's grieving sure you know we talk about gratitude and we talk about making gratitude lists um and a lot of times I hear people say, I need to make a gratitude list, but they've never actually sat down mm-hmm. and taken a piece of paper I and put one through 10 on it and just write down 10 things that they might be grateful for. And until you do that exercise, you don't mm-hmm. really, you could, we think about mm-hmm. it maybe mentally and it's fleeting, but until you do the exercise with a, you know, with a pencil and a piece of paper and it just sort of puts things in perspective, um, whether you're grieving or not, but I think that that's that's a good thing to do. That would really be a good family activity yes, over the it holiday can be. season. Yeah, and just offering thanks for the mm-hmm. the ten things that that are on your list. Um, so it puts things in perspective. Um, we've already talked about managing your time. Don't do things that are gonna overload you. Um, give yourself permission if you cannot get all your gifts or. Yeah. You can't make it to a family function okay. or you can't. Yeah, it's okay. It's just okay um, to just be where you want to be. Um, setting boundaries. We, again, could probably do a whole mm. podcast on setting boundaries. <laughs> and just just exit if you, you know, we teach kids in school. So we, we practice fire drill plans, right? <laughs> About how to get out if a school catches mm-hmm. on fire or something. Well, you can have a personal fire drill plan. It's a personal boundary where you may be in a situation and you're just like, this is overwhelming to me right now, and I need to implement my personal fire drill plan. I well, need to get out. And teaching our kids those exit strategies. Oh, yeah. Helping them realize yeah. if you don't feel comfortable in the situation, you know, what might you do? Talk through that with them. Yeah. Um, plan ahead. Um, because our kids do have yeah. that fear of missing out. They don't mm-hmm. want to leave a situation because they don't want to be the only one. But if they're not feeling healthy, if they're not feeling safe, right. go ahead and help prepare your kids for that fire drill. Right, and that's why I mentioned triggers because kids don't always pay attention to what their triggers may be, but it's okay to process with kids what might trigger you over at Aunt Sally's or <laughs> you know, um, or before we even get to Aunt Sally's. So it's... Um, the other yeah. thing I think is important too is the, just the idea of perspective. You know, children and adolescents don't have the perspective that we have. Right. Um, I think sometimes the the gravity of a situation or their their temporary situation, they can't see beyond that, and it's a, like a snowball in the road that's blocking the their ability to see down beyond it. Um, doing things beyond themselves, you know, service over self, doing things as a family. Yeah. This is a time of year there's a lot of opportunities to give back and connect and serve. Volunteering, and, oh, giving, giving to someone less fortunate than you absolutely is therapeutic. And then I'm so glad you brought that up because it's, it's so important to do that, to get out of you um, yeah. and, and to give because that helps feed your soul. 
and um, it's it's a big part of what you can do to take care of yourself over the holidays. Certainly practicing self-care, certainly exercising, certainly relaxing when you need to relax. You know, you can step out of wherever you may be just to take some deep breaths to relax, taking a walk. Lots of people connect with nature um, in different ways, whether it's just on a walk, whether it's um, going on a hike, whether it's just sitting outside, whether it's go sitting on a swing, a porch, like whatever it may be, um, those are helpful ways as well. Oh, and how many kids also enjoy the arts? The arts. Play your play yeah. your instrument, play yeah. your music, draw, right. journal. Right. Um, I think we often um, sometimes forget that you know that that artistic side that many of our kids enjoy, and, and yeah. well, there's adult coloring books now, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, we've already mentioned the sleep, <laughs> sleeping, make sure you get your sleep over the holidays, make sure you're eating well. These are these are all the kind of things that help um, that we don't always pay attention to. But if you are going into the holidays with grief or with already increased stress um, or anxiety or depression, these are just good things to do. Um, find your support systems lean on your support mm-hmm. systems this this um person i was mentioning earlier you know i was helping her identify who her support systems are so that she could lean on them mm-hmm. when she gets sort of cranked up right. about her teenagers um and she was identifying exactly who they are and how she can reach out to them and then certainly we've already mentioned you know if you need to be in counseling yourself then seek it you know Get get yourself some supports um, if you don't already have those. Get those, get that, those for yourself. There that, are a lot of resources. It goes back to connection, like we talked about before, and helping our kids too. I remember, you know, one of the first things that that you and I talked about, and you kind of we phrased it differently, but I probably learned this more from you is talking with your kids, talking who you know who would you take home, who would you put in your in your back pocket. You remember us talking oh, yeah. about that too. Oh, yeah. So really, even helping our kids um, develop their support system and writing it down. If if mom or dad happen not to be available, I'm going to call Aunt Lee. Yeah. You know. Right. I think that's really important. Helping our kids realize that there is um, a support system. Yeah. Um, a thought too about people that are going into the holidays with grief. You know, a lot of people say to someone who's grieving is there anything I can do for you or um, what can I do for you and what I typically encourage is just do it just invite them for coffee or just drop something at their home at their door just instead of asking them no one's gonna say can you come mow my lawn exactly. I have no energy not I need that, that come clean my house yes <laughs> just sort of just just do it, you know, and it, they may not join you for a cup of coffee, but you, but you offered and you asked and you care. And so I think that that is also important if someone that you know is grieving through the holidays. And then I also, and I know Brian can relate to this, is I sometimes feel like children are, um, you know, they're little grievers. And I sometimes think they're sort of forgotten grievers during the holiday season. So I'm always encouraging people to like doing something special with letting acknowledging where children are if yeah. they're grieving and whether it's drawing a picture or sitting in a certain chair or if there's some kind of linking object what a great gift yes. if there was some picture that was picture, special yes. or a, 
anything. Yeah, just sort of not forgetting our little ones mm-hmm. um, through the holidays is important. That I sometimes think that gets missed. Um, I think you're right. Because we think a lot about the adults, too, during grief. But, um, you know, I think if you just can pay attention to where you're at just and give yourself permission to be where you're at um, and that it's okay, um, you know, if you have 500 tears to cry, mm. don't stop at 250. Cry them <laughs> if you need to cry them, whatever it takes. And... Um, just taking care of you. Tomorrow's a new day. And tomorrow is a new day. It is. So many good suggestions. Sleep, routine, boundaries, mm-hmm. checking where you are, being mindful of your kids, checking where your kids are. Connecting. Connecting. Talking with, not at. Not at. Um, yeah. Coming from a it's place a, of compassion. Yeah. It's a big it's a big topic. It is. It is. <laughs> I mean mental health is a big topic and it's wonderful that we're discussing it it's wonderful that not just we are discussing it but more and more people are discussing it and that is that is so positive well we're so glad you were able to come and join us today and and for you for listening uh thanks for being with us every month we try and find different topics that connect to this mental health and wellness um, topic that will help you as parents and caregivers so uh, hope that you tell your friends about this leave us comments in the email in the episode notes 